Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Wow. That's the part he, he stepped on. He brought there. it home. <laughs> So you just walked right in, nobody asked for <laughs> it's just like this two same security guards. Hey, how you doing? It's like three years. You know, I did this for three years, been gone for a, what, a month and a half? Uh-huh. And walked right in like nothing's changed. You got some glass in front of us now. I do have to admit, I'm doing my final segment in the last hour and you just kinda walked in. Oh hey. Oh hey. <laughs> <laughs> the governor is back uh, in the house this morning. Like getting back on a bicycle again. My life has changed in the past month and a half, too. So, just a little bit? Uh, just a little bit. Well, you know it's your own fault. Yeah, I you know. Kinda, you kind of started this rolling. I know. It, I know. Well, you and I have both gone through a difficult last couple of weeks, though. So. Oh, by the way, my name is Pat McCrory. <laughs> I'm Bo Thompson. Welcome to WBT. It's good to see you. I'm going to take over the next two hours. <laughs> now, we're going to have fun. We've got uh, David Chadwick. We've got uh, Bill Graham. Mm-hmm. We might do a little uh, Freedom. Who knows? We might do a McCrory Top 5. God knows. I'm as prepared if you now as I was two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he if he remembers how to do all of this, yeah. uh, we will uh, we will do this now. Yeah, uh, well, David from Asheville. Oh, you're going to open up that can of worms, are you? Yeah. Are we? Are we? Okay. <laughs> there, he oh, there he is. There goes my election. <laughs> That's, uh, That's yes. right. <laughs> Your campaign, <laughs> you, you left the show to, to start the campaign, and now you've come back to end the campaign. End the campaign. Right? Yes. This could be it. This could be my last campaign. <laughs> well, you are. You're, you're right. Uh, you you left here on uh, April fifteenth, mm-hmm. and you, you are. Since you left, uh, you and I both have had. Uh, I mean, the listeners have heard. I had a tough morning. Uh, I actually had, had never broken down on the air before, and and I did. And you know how long I've worked here. And then uh, a few weeks later, I got news from you, and it's uh it's not an easy thing at all. Losing your I mean, my boy, my, my, my boy, my son, Mo. I can't even talk about it because I'll break down. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had to put Mo down. The, the vet said he's just getting too bad and you don't want him to suffer. And, you know, you just want to eke out that one last day or two days or three days. But uh, we got his ashes back the other day. And uh, now we're looking to uh, bury his ashes and have a ceremony. But... The governor, Governor Cooper, has yet to, you know, the statue of Mo and the the little plaque honoring Ann for Mm -hmm. their work on puppy mills and rescuing dogs, which my wife is working on right now, by the way. My wife's trying to rescue a dog as we speak, but we'll talk about that some other time. But uh, we've tried to contact the Cooper administration. I think they're going to let us have the statue because they refused to put it up at the western residence of Mo, where it was and they took it my mo was the first statue taken down in north carolina <laughs> so uh but i'm sorry what you've gone through and i didn't know it until i called you to tell you that you know i lost mo and you said yeah and we both kind of got teary-eyed over the phone with each other yeah i mean uh, i told listeners uh, a few weeks oh, after man. you left that uh, our dog Rosie, she was diabetic. I mean, you and I had these conversations because we both had dogs that we had had for a long time that we knew were getting down towards yeah. the end. But you just yeah. never know when it's going to come. And 
And when it does, uh, you and I were just talking off the air. I mean, every day that you get past it, it gets a little bit easier. But the hard part is, and animal owners and, and, and yeah. pet, pet lovers who are listening know this to be, uh, this is nothing unique to us. But when you go back home and you get into that routine and everywhere you look where the dog used to be, it's just, it's well, a I constant reminder. I wanted to reminder. feed Mo this yeah, morning. Yeah, so. I wanted to feed my boy this morning and he wasn't there. But yeah. God, I'm getting teary-eyed already. In fact, go put Mo, Bo's listed in heaven right now. There he is. So we, we dedicate this show to uh, Mo and Rosie uh, here on WBT. So uh, thanks for thanks for sharing that. So uh, I got to change the subject real quick. So I'm on the campaign trail the other day. You got to tell you're, me when the time's up. For wait a minute, you're you're on the campaign trail. I was. Well, the you, other day. you didn't come in here with an entourage, so I wasn't no, sure. No, I'm just by myself. Walked <laughs> in, but I had a flat tire the other day coming back from uh, Moorhead. I was in Moorhead City with Richard Petty uh-huh. doing an event. One, wonderful event. One minute, by the way. Oh, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> so I was coming, we were coming back. I was on two of my staff members, and we're between uh, God knows where and God knows where. No, we were actually between uh, Kinston and Wilson, two mm-hmm. great towns in North Carolina. And next thing, pop. And we have to pull over the side on a, a super highway, and we got a flat tire. Make a long story short, we got home nine hours later nine. here to Charlotte. Wow. But we're safe, no harm, but we were diverted to Greenville to get a rental, a new rental car. I drove with a small tire going 50, 50, no more than 50 miles an hour to Greenville Airport, hour and a half out of our way. Got to there, and Alamo was closed. <laughs> they closed it an hour early for painting. <laughs> so then I had to drive to Raleigh Airport, change cars, 50 miles an hour to Raleigh, and then we got a new car in Raleigh, got home 1230 at night. That's the life on the campaign trail. Moral to the story, running for Senate is a glamorous way yes. to live. Yes. We have uh, lots to talk about. Uh, we're going to do a McCrory Top 5. I don't know what it is yet. We're going to do some uh, Get Something Off My Chest. We're going to have David. You don't know what that is I yet. have no idea. Yeah. Are you well, kidding me? Everything. My staff was asking me, what are you going to do? You know, you're like running for something now, and I, I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> 823 on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Bo Thompson and... Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to take over. i got to get something off my chest. Oh, I love George Michael. Still do, huh? I'm out of practice. <laughs> oh, that George Michael. What a talent. <laughs> So do you want to ask me what I want to get off my chest? Yes. Uh, what's on your chest that you want to get off? Help wanted signs. They're everywhere. Everywhere you go, there are help wanted signs. And yet, government right now is paying people more not to work than to work. Actually, I, I, I put one out in front of the station this morning and Pat McCrory appeared. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but government pays more. For not working, then working right now. So you ask, why are all these people looking for workers? You know, you go to restaurants, you go to convenience stores. I was at a convenience store the other day on Selwyn Avenue. It was closed in the middle of the day. No workers. Couldn't pump gas, couldn't get drinks, couldn't get a big fattening donut, nothing. I was trying to do an event next weekend, plan an event. 
The restaurant couldn't guarantee that they'll have workers at the event. Everywhere you go in North Carolina, from the coast to the mountains, you cannot find workers. Why? Because we're paying people $30,000 a year not to work. It reminds me of 2013 when I was first elected governor of this great state. We had a 9.4% unemployment rate, the fourth highest in the country. And I had all these employers coming to me and going, hey, governor, we can't find people to work. You're paying them more not to work than to work with unemployment. And I went, well, we can do something about that. We'll cut unemployment. We'll reduce unemployment and also reduce the amount of time you can be on unemployment. Plus, we can put further requirements to go look for a job. Guess what happened? People started going back to work. We had the largest drop in unemployment in the United States of America and North Carolina in 2013. In 2013. Now, all of a sudden, some Republican governors, thank God, are going, you know what? Why don't we do what Pat McCrory did in 2013? Do not take the federal unemployment money, which should have never been added. But listen, now there are some Republicans even in this state and in Washington, D.C., Washington politicians are going, oh, I got an answer. Why don't we grow the nanny state and pay people to take a job with unemployment insurance? You know, I go, you know, that's a great idea until you think about it. That's a stupid idea. You want to grow the nanny state and reward people for sitting out of work and then paying them to come to work with government taxpayers while other people have been working? Like David from Asheville? <laughs> David, is that fair? Uh, no. No. Even for you, that's not fair. <laughs> so government right now, we have some government leaders in the Republican Party, too, who want to pay people to come back to work. No. You shouldn't reward people for doing what they should be doing anyway. The nanny state. Do not grow the nanny state anymore. Once you grow the nanny state, it never stops. All right, Bo, I feel better now. God, I love George Michael. Some things never change. Hey, uh, when we come back, uh, can we talk about the U.S. Senate race for a few minutes? Yeah, we talked about that. I've lost a little bit of my rhythm, man. I don't have the rhythm I used to have. (laughs) We'll we'll work on that during the news. And I'm having fun. We'll stick around for the next hour. Welcome to the David from Asheville show. (laughs) Pat McCrory and Bo Thompson. You you managed to arouse him. You have a certain effect on This is the first time him. David's been back for a long time. I haven't time. heard David. Uh, what time is it? <laughs> what time is it? <laughs> well, uh, there has been a lot to talk about uh, mm-hmm. since you made the decision to run for U.S. Senate back in uh, mid-April. Uh, you made the decision right here, made the announcement on the show, and ever since you've been on the campaign trail. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to ask you, though, uh, how are things going? What's the state of the campaign? What can you tell us? Well, we're, uh, we've been traveling the state. I've been from the mountains to the coast probably three times. I've had fundraisers. Uh, I've been to D.C. twice. Uh, we're at least 25 to 30 points up in the primary poll. We're in all general election polls. We're the most likely Republican who can beat a Democrat in the general election. This is a 50-50 race right now in the U.S. Senate. So uh, this seat's going to determine whether or not Kamala Harris 
and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden will run the nation for another two years after this two years. And so it's a very, very important race. But our message is getting out. I'm very, very pleased with the, uh, the campaign. You know, the fact of the matter is, and I'll say this with uh, no modesty whatsoever, and I'm dead serious, we're simply the best for this job. I believe I'm simply the best to represent North Carolina in the U.S. Senate uh, based upon my experience as a mayor, based upon my experience as a governor, based upon my accomplishments as a business person, governor, mayor, city councilman. I've always kept my promises. Everything I've done and promised, we accomplished whenever I ran for elective office, and I don't think many people can do that. And frankly, I'm running against two Washington insiders who did not accomplish things that we should have accomplished, especially when uh, President Trump had the majority in the first two years, the majority in the House, the majority in the Senate. And instead of getting immigration bill passed to protect our border, the Republicans fought each other and didn't get it done. And there's no excuse for it. So I know how to get things done, and I'm proud of that work. So let me ask uh, about the elephant in the room, the, mm-hmm. the Republican elephant in the room. Uh, the, the GOP state convention a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. President Trump came and spoke at that. Uh, Laura Trump came out and announced on stage that she was not going to run for Senate. Yeah, we kind of knew that. But that basically <laughs> confirmed it. Yeah, we, we, we really knew that. She had already bought property in Florida. She says that, and then she says that her father had an endorsement mm-hmm. to make. Mm-hmm. President Trump came back out and endorsed Ted Budd. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's been a lot of talk about the reaction in the room and throughout the party. Uh, there I want to know. There was basic silence in the room. Uh, people didn't react except at the table of those supporters. But it was, it was the wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong candidate. And I, th- I think the president got some bad advice, most likely from his old chief of staff, uh, Mark Meadows, who was pushing this hard. They served in the Freedom Caucus together, and it was the wrong thing to do. North Carolina, North Carolina voters can make their own mind up. And I've always been convinced that if you needed an endorsement, you can't run on your own record. I really believe that. And, in fact, if you've seen my last four campaigns, I've never sought endorsements, especially from another politician. I don't. I think you ought to be able to run on your own record, and I can run on my record as a city councilman, mayor, and as a governor, and as a business person, because we accomplished a lot in the state. In fact, as you see the surplus in the state of North Carolina right now and the literally billions of dollars, I want to thank my team for that, because when I cut – your personal income tax and corporate taxes and other taxes, oh, the liberal newspapers, including the Charlotte Observer, said, oh, my gosh, McCrory's going to ruin the economy of North Carolina. Just the opposite. We increased revenue for the state of North Carolina. When I paid off the unemployment debt of $2.2 billion and cut unemployment compensation to get people back to work, the liberals marched everywhere against me. The protesters came everywhere. And guess what? It worked. Everything I said would work, worked. Everything that we accomplished met the goals that we promised as, uh, in our campaign. And we're going to do just the same thing as uh, the next U.S. senator, so I'm very proud of that. We need North Carolina solutions in Washington, D.C. We don't need more Washington uh, infighting. We don't need Washington liberalism. We don't need the Washington nanny state, including... Ted Budd is recommending that we pay people to come back to work with your tax dollars. He did this two weeks ago. And I'm saying, that is crazy. We don't grow the nanny state. 
to get people back to work. We encourage them to do the right thing by reducing the unemployment and accepting jobs that are open right now. So that's a big difference between me and the people I'm running against. We did this show for three and a half years, Mm -hmm. and we talked a lot about what's the value of an endorsement. And you did say over and over during those generic conversations that you never thought endorsements were that big a deal. I think endorsements can get you in more trouble, actually, because then you're beholden to those endorsing you instead of being your own independent person. And right now in D.C., we need some people more concerned about the next generation than the next election. And I firmly believe that. I'm running for the next generation, not the next election. Because right now we're bankrupting the next generation, the way we're spending money, the way Biden and Harris are spending money like there's no tomorrow. And the way we're opening up our borders like there's no tomorrow. In fact, I think, frankly... I think there's part of this thing. We're giving all this federal money people out to not go to work, and it's encouraging more illegal immigration to take the jobs that are open. And people are flooding our border. Can you imagine right now if Charlotte Douglas International Airport was just customs just said, come on in, come on in. Let's don't check for drugs. Let's don't check for human trafficking. Let's don't check for bad food. Let's don't check for the virus. Just come on in. Well, that's exactly what's happening at the southern border. And so if it's happening there, heck, you might as well get rid of customs. Because once you have a leak anywhere in the rules and regulations of immigration, you have a leak everywhere. And uh, what Kamala Harris is doing with immigration is just horrendous. And by the way, it's not Kamala Harris. It's her boss, Joe Biden. Everyone's kind of blaming Kamala Harris. Yeah, she, it was a joke what she did two weeks ago. But her boss, Joe Biden's letting her do it, and there's no excuse for it. One last U.S. Senate question. Uh, mm-hmm. You have run for city council. You've run for mayor. You've run for mm-hmm. governor. Now running for U.S. Senate. Is there anything about running for Senate that has been much different than those other, other experiences? It's a national race. Running for governor and mayor, you know, mayor is a Charlotte race with some North Carolina implications. Running for governor is North Carolina race with some national implications. Running for the U.S. Senate when it's a 50-50 tie, has major national implications. So it's a na- national story. And the national story is who can best win, win the general election. And uh, I believe I'm the person to do that. And it's a North Carolina Senate seat, and I know North Carolina better than any candidate in this field. And by the way, I know the Charlotte region better than any candidate in this field. Uh, so I'm proud of it. And I'm also proud of, you know, all, even going back to my city council days when I used to ride with the police, when I see police being assaulted and disrespected in Portland and Seattle, and yes, even in Washington, D.C., I know how to respond because I know what it's like working with the police. I know what it's like riding the police. And I, I'm the only candidate who's actually called the National Guard to, get, to deal with Antifa. And I did it right here in Charlotte, North Carolina against the objections of the mayor of Charlotte. I called Antifa, and we put out a riot in Charlotte, and I think saved a lot of lives. And maybe we need someone with that experience dealing with the National Guard in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. Well, hold that thought, because this coming weekend is an anniversary of something related to what you were just talking yeah. about, and I know you have some thoughts on that. I do have some thoughts on that, the and, gov- uh, especially the- with the... Uh, it was just odd getting out of the car, walking in, going, hey, guys. It's like nothing's changed. Well, that's what I said when we started. But my life has changed in the last month and a half. I mean, I've got a campaign team. I've got a 
whole apparatus. Uh, I'm loving traveling throughout the state. I'm just that was the thing I'm looking. I was looking forward to was traveling throughout the state and seeing a lot of old friends from Wilmington to Greenville to Asheville to uh, Winston to Greensboro. I mean, I just love going across the state. It's the most beautiful state in the United States of America, and and the people are great. And I don't regret my decision one bit in running uh, for the U.S. Senate. I, I was afraid a month later I'd go, what did I do? And I'm not. Yeah. I'm not at all. I'm, I'm, because I'm now more than ever, I, I know I'm the best for the job. Translation, I don't miss Bo Thompson at all. <sighs> I didn't want to say it that way. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> you know. I get it. That's all right. I have a thin skin. I was hoping you wouldn't hear it. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, uh, You're still so sensitive. No, I'm actually, I'm just fine. I'm just fine. So That's all right, John Moore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm great. Yeah, right, oh, yeah. Right, right. I have the steel facade of Vladimir Putin. <laughs> There's a segue. How about the, uh, the summit yesterday? Did you watch any of that? It was a photo op. It was a very dangerous photo op. And uh, Biden should have never put himself in the position to have a photo op in representing our country and our country's strength. And to give him... To give Putin a list of where you can... <laughs> a checklist. A checklist. Yes. A, a checklist of these industries you can interfere with using technology, and I guess all the other industries are okay. Now, are you saying that because that's what you think Putin's going to do now? He's going to go down that list? It's a sign of weakness. The weakness is don't interfere with anything in the United States of America. And uh, he gave a list. No communications, no defense, no, you know, media, no whatever the list is. And it was, it showed a sign of weakness. And I hate to say that about our president of the United States because he's our president. But he showed a sign of weakness in presenting Putin a list of what he can interfere with in our country and what he can't interfere with his country. And uh, Winterbold was dead right on that this morning. I heard him say that, and those were in my notes, too. It was a sign of weakness, and then, of course, he didn't get on stage with Putin, which was a sign of weakness, because previous presidents have done that with national leaders, and Biden did not do that. Of course, the media is just, you know, the media is not asking any tough questions, frankly, of either worldwide leader. I think there was one or two tough questions. Uh, I mean, the media is in the tank for Joe Biden right now and Kamala Harris. By the way, did you hear that uh, Brett Jensen finally got to ask Governor Cooper a question? Yeah. And Cooper got defensive and uh, said, well, ask your question. No, that was the question. And we're also finding out through Cooper and through Biden, you know, some of these rules and regulations, which we were saying for three years on the radio, or at least the last year on this radio, it wasn't science that Roy Cooper said, uh, you know, bars are op- bars are closed, breweries are closed. It's science. No, they were lying. It had nothing to do with science. It had to do with politics. And we were right during the last year. And President Trump was right on a lot of the statements that he made about, for example, the lab in China. You know, now all of a sudden the Democrats are going, they had to get their agreement with who's the famous, you know, he went on night, late night radio, uh, I mean, late night TV the oh, other night. John Stewart. John Stewart now is the official approval. He didn't say President Trump was right about China, but he said it. And now 
the Democrats not don't know what to do that John Stewart said. Well, Stephen Colbert didn't know what to do. Stephen Colbert made a smart a smart aleck comment. Excuse me. <clears throat> Did I almost cuss on radio? <clears throat> we'll pretend that. Didn't. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> we didn't. We'll pretend yeah, that. I didn't hear anything. Hold on, I just got a memo from my staff. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing that hasn't changed. He gets memos during the show. They're just from different people now. (laughs) Yeah, now it's not from management of the (laughs) HRs walking in. Get him off the air. (laughs) No, I mean, it's... uh, We told you to do that a month and a half ago. So Jon Stewart said something the other night that Donald Trump has been saying for a year. It's the Chinese virus. It has nothing to do with Asians. It's the Chinese government. And, and Biden's now set up a special investigation three months after he was elected president or after he was sworn in as president to start finding out, did China start this in a lab? And Jon Stewart basically said through a joke, are you kidding me? It's named after the lab. Yeah, I played it yesterday. It, was, it wasn't just a sentence. It was a whole segment. And the Democrats don't know what to say. CNN is just, oh, my gosh. John Stewart said something we've been fighting all along. Now what do we do? We're going we're gonna to do another hour, aren't we? I'm looking forward to it. Well, I might need to. We might need to come up with a McCrory top five. What's I might it, have what's, what's you. What's this? We may, making. I, well, I might have you ask me a question. Oh, okay. Remember we did that for a bit. I do. How but soon I mean, you forget? Well, I mean, Man, you've already forgotten me. You've moved all, on. Now I'm getting sensitive. <laughs> you've moved on. You know, Beth Troutman and Andy Doolin. And, you know, I'm so easily replaceable by Brett Winterbull. Um, if I remember, you are the one who decided I'm leaving me. <laughs> Just get that. If you're asking David me. from Asheville is getting into words. You know, the pot's gone bad in Asheville if he likes words. <laughs> That's the McCrory effect on David. I'm sorry, Asheville. recreational marijuana. Yes. Excuse me, Dave. Hey, did you hear what happened uh, with the city council this week? I'd got wind of it. So do you want to tell me? Now they passed a new budget, the mm-hmm. uh, fiscal year 2021, mm-hmm. and in said budget... The mayor's salary total compensation will climb to uh, fifty nine thousand eight sixty eight. Fifty nine thousand dollars for a part time job. Council members Mm -hmm. will now be totally compensated at a rate of fifty two thousand four forty four. You know, nothing like voting for a pay raise the year you've canceled the election. (laughs) (laughs) That's an old political trick. Give yourself a pay raise when we cancel the election. And by the time the election's held, the people will forget the pay raise. That's a lot more than I made as mayor and as a council member. Right, listen, I wouldn't have minded if they, what they should have done all along is give them cost of living increases as the years go by. I have no problem with that. But to do one big pay increase and say, well, it's because everyone else does it. Well, just because everyone else does it doesn't mean it's the right thing. You're a nonprofit. And I'm, I'm, you know, there's a thing called public service. You do it for a reason. You do it to serve the public. And sadly, for some of the council members, that might be the most money they've ever made in the private sector, too. I appreciate the service. I think some of them are treating this job as a full-time job. They are still the board of directors. We have a city manager that does the day-to-day operations in this form of government. It's worked. 
but I'm afraid that's the next step to full-time council members. Well, then they'll raise their salary to 100000 or more. It's just coming. I hear it. That's how it is in the Democratic cities now. It's full-time jobs. And they make it into a full-time job as, as opposed to a board job. Ten to one was the vote. Mm. So nearly nearly unanimous. Tark Bakari voted uh, against it. Mm. Uh, Driggs voted for it. I'm trying to think of how much. I think I made $12,000 or something when I was city council member. And $29,000 $29, total compensation as mayor. But in my 10th year, I think it went up. Well, I might have gone to thirty two and then thirty nine thousand during my so last four this years. This total maybe. compensation. That's total compensation. Okay, so as a council member, you said twelve <coughs> so you go twelve, mm-hmm. then you become mayor, twenty nine, thirty two, thirty nine at the end. And now by comparison, the mayor is uh, just off of sixty thousand now and council members now again, your base level as a council member was twelve, now it's uh, just north of fifty. And I guess is the reason that People don't want the job now, or are they the only ones who want the job, and therefore they want to pay themselves more money? Or are they all threatening to quit if they don't get this pay raise? Are they all going, I'm not going to run for re-election unless I get a pay raise? Is that in their brochures? I'm just asking. So, I don't know. Uh, they, they work hard. I know they work hard. I do think some of the council members are making it into a full-time job and getting involved in the operations of government when, in fact, I'll tell you what I'll do. I think they ought to get a pay raise if they find the people that killed the four people on Beatty's Ford Road or if they reduce the crime rate and murder rate by 50 percent, give them a bonus then. Tie their pay raise into outcomes. And right now the murder rate is terrible in Charlotte. If I would have tied my pay to outcomes when I was a mayor, I'd be a very wealthy guy because when I became mayor, mayor, our average murder rate was around 125 murders a year. We took it down to 35. I should have tied my pay to lowering the crime rate, which we did by taking tough action, which liberals don't do anymore. The other thing that's happened uh, since you left, Mm -hmm. uh, notably in local government here, is that the county manager and the county commission have withheld $56 million of funding to the school board, rather the school system, CMS, until they can provide a plan that County Commission believes is is worthy to bring uh, minority performance up in the, in the wake of the pandemic. And on top of that, you had George Dunlap calling out CMS Superintendent Winston saying the guy's not qualified. I think I said that two years ago, George. You should have listened. And I'm glad he's saying it now, but he's not qualified. Nice guy. Former Charlotte Observer reporter is now superintendent of one of the largest school systems in the United States of America. Um, People are deserting our public school system here in Charlotte, and it's sad. And the business community is sitting on the sideline on that, too, and let our school system just disintegrate in front of our eyes. And Roy Cooper's not offering opportunities, scholarships, uh, Joe Biden, Roy Cooper, our mayor, our school boards in the pocket of the teachers' union. Not the teachers, the teachers' union, who are more concerned about themselves than the students, the union. And it's a sad commentary. And what people are moving to Fort Mill, people are moving to Stanley County, people are moving to Union County, Cabarrus County, and they're leaving our, our, our school system. And... It's a total failure. And these are Democrats all fighting each other. We're a one-party county now. 
and they're Democrats fighting each other, and the media just sits on the sidelines and doesn't challenge any of them. And it's a sad commentary, and I'm worried about our city. I'm worried about my city. I'm worried about our state because we're seeing this happen in Guilford County, Wake County, where the liberals have just taken over, and they're teaching, they're teaching things against capitalism. They're re- teaching this new race theory, which is, you know, they're, they're changing civics. They're teaching, uh, you know, they never, we never have found out since I was on the radio who made second graders and third graders fill out things about their own sexuality. Have you noticed they've never found that out? This is while the liberal left has taken over. So are you saying, uh, what I hear you saying is that there are some families that are abandoning CMS? Some families, thousands of families. Well, you know, all you have to go is look at the Fort Mill school district. Well, I ask because I know what it, I know what it feels like to be abandoned. I mean, uh, that's that's been my. Oh, here uh, comes your you sensitivity. Know, you know who? Oh, here it you comes. know who did not abandon me? Oh, I hate him. Yeah, he's coming up. Bill Graham. Bill Graham. I hate Bill Graham. Graham. Stuck with me. I hate me. Scott Pageant. Yeah. I hate Bo Thompson. I still have this hate in me. It's not good, is it, when I'm running for re-elect? Uh, I'm running for uh, office. <laughs> it's at patmccrory.com, by the way, if you'd like I believe they're still as good in you, Anna. Uh, you always like Bill Graham better than you like me anyway. I mean, come on. It, it was kind of always under the radar screen during my three years here that, because I heard it in the hallways that Bo Thompson likes Bill Graham better than McCrory. And in fact, he'd like Bill Graham to take his place. I heard it. I, I'm just now telling you. I just like say, coming. I, I, it was like radio adultery. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's an intro for Bill Graham. How you doing? <laughs> there's Why haircut adultery off? too. You know, if you go to the wrong barber, <laughs> my campaign's writing me, Bill, right now. Please get off the radio, McCrory. If I was your campaign, I'd be writing you the very same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do it, man. It's like home here. Hey. Glad to hear your voice again, man. You're doing great. Glad to, glad to talk to you in this way on the Bo Thompson oh, show. Oh, God, I hate Bo Thompson. <laughs> I told you it was the Bo Thompson show the whole time. I hate Actually, you, too. He was I saying that before it was. Scott Padgett. Yeah, he, he, was the, he was on the front end of this I still Bo have this thing. hatred. I don't know. Bitterness is a bad trait that I have. And, well, I go to counseling. <laughs> add politics will get that bitterness knocked right out of you. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Boy. <laughs> Uh, by the way, it's called th- rejection. This portion, <laughs> this portion of the Bo Thompson show is presented by the law offices of Wallace and Graham. I got a legal question for you. Some two legal, two legal, two, two federal cases legal? against Joe Biden, which I agree with. One yep. case where Joe Biden's, you know, trying to get rid of natural gas. That's another reason I'm running. By the way, is because I want to preserve our energy here in the United States and keep us independent and have affordable and reliable energy. And Joe Biden, our governor, want to get rid of natural gas, but he was going to shut off all this drilling and the courts have ruled, hey, Mr. President, you can't do that without Congress approval. Correct. Like he should have known that before he did it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a, an opportunity for Biden to tell the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, yeah, I tried. Um, and, you know, they're going to appeal it, but it's a, it's a losing proposition. And the Congress is not going to um, head down that road to any successful um, natural gas effort. 
Uh, how, although uh, the Canadian, you probably saw in the news, the Keystone Pipe mm. thing is is dead in a doornail. So that is going to be one of the biggest mistakes in United States history regarding well, our economy, regarding our energy independence, and frankly, regarding the environment. Well, people need to realize um, from an economic point of view, your cost of power and energy is one of the things that drives your economy. And ultimately, if you're spending money on your energy, you're not spending money on something else like a payroll. Uh, so it does have an effect on jobs. It has an effect on growth and it has effect on expansion and, and, and the American way of life when it comes right down to it. So be careful what you wish for if you want to turn all this stuff off because you just might get it and you might have... Um, economic problems that you didn't anticipate and inflation it called i mean everything that we touch is oil-based yeah i mean uh, but you know the the liberal side of the ledger always wants to, to push the envelope now we've gone from coal to natural gas natural gas is cheaper and but they're still complaining about the greenhouse gas but it's cleaner than the alternative that we were using, and we've coal, you know, shut these coal fire plants down mm-hmm. to a large degree. It's benefiting the economy. So you still have to run the economy, you still have to have energy, and you still have to have natural gas as a, as a component. And no one's talking about the polluting of batteries that are going to be, no one has any idea where these batteries, first of all, how much energy it takes to make a new car battery, and mm-hmm. how do you dispose of a new car battery? And also, how do you dispose of uh, all the solar panels and the chemicals it takes to make the solar panels, which which pollute our rivers right here in North Carolina? No yep. one is talking about that. Or the number of trees you have to cut down, the thousands upon thousands of acres of trees that have to be cut down for a solar panel field that that powers, what, three neighborhoods and except at nighttime or when it's cloudy or when it's raining? Well, and, and a lot of people don't know, and no one's talking about this, that a lot of the uh, forests in North Carolina are be cutting down <clears throat> to make uh, pellets to be shipped to the U.K. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and burned, and they're, they're power plants. I mean, it's called renewables. You see, that's okay. if you, It's kind of like recreational marijuana. If you call it a good name like renewables and don't use the term wood, <laughs> it's, the environmentalists say it's okay. Does that mean marijuana is a renewable? (laughs) (laughs) We have have actual proof. (laughs) Well, another uh, another court case that came ruling, uh, the Biden administration was giving farmers money only if they were uh, a minority farmers. And some of the farmers in the majority, uh, Caucasian, were going, well, that's that's discrimination. And the courts have ruled against the Biden administration on that, too, kind of buried in the media. But that makes sense, too, according to our Constitution. Well, the, the effort to award just based on race is as unconstitutional as it gets. And you shouldn't be surprised that those kinds of rulings are being made. So, um, again, probably a tip of the hat to the progressive wing and, and some people in the party. And this is what you get. You try to do something uh, in that vein, and you're going to get the equal protection and due process clause um, recounted toward to you, and, and the Fifth and the Fourteenth Amendments, peanut butter and jelly of the Constitution, and there you go. That's what you get. What's ironic is before the court is when Biden do, do these things, it gets almost no pushback from the media. 
of people going, wait a minute, that's probably against the Constitution and it's discriminatory. Yeah, and, and he knows that. Um, he's been in the Congress and the Senate long enough to have known that, and so does people in his administration. And the Justice Department lawyers probably told him, hey, that's not going to fly. And the Department lawyers probably told him, that's not going to fly. And that's uncontrolled. Well, do it anyway. Okay, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll do it anyway. We'll waste the court's time and we'll waste the taxpayers' money and we'll do it anyway. And this is what you get. Bill, what did you think of the uh, Biden Putin summit yesterday? Oh, you know. Um, theater, 10%, maybe some substance. Nah, I'll go 5% substance. (laughs) Um, It was just, they know each other and they've known each other and it was just some theater to get things cranked up. We'll see later if it produces any results. I kind of doubt it. Um, But I I wish what would have happened is uh, the White House's team to get Putin's team in the back room and say, look, this cyber uh, security stuff, um, we're going to put you guys in the dark. If you keep messing with us like this, we're going to turn your lights off. You're going to be in the dark ages. Well, he only said, uh, we're only going to put you in the dark if you hit these industries. I guess everything else is wide open, wild west. Yeah, the the <laughs> list of 16, although I didn't see what the list of 16 was, but I hope the Bo Thompson show is on the list. Oh, you just had to end it that way, didn't you? You just had to rub it in that it's now the Bo Thompson show. I just wanted to add to your bitterness and rejection <laughs> and emotional distress. Hey, by the way, this but, segment. I hate, I hate him. I hate Bill Graham. David from, hey, I heard David from Asheville has a separate um, stash for you on just this occasion because he came in special for don't, you don't, he knew you wait were going to be there. A note's coming from my campaign staff right now. It's my herb garden. <laughs> David from Asheville, we've got him in a separate room so the smoke won't get in our way. Yeah, Bill, Bill actually was in studio with me uh, a few weeks ago. Bill, was it David was a, from Asheville here when... No, 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 no. It was a smoke-free room. He wasn't smoke-free room. One more segment here, Bo Thompson and the governor back in the house today. Oh, it feels great. Thanks for having me, Bo. I've really enjoyed the, the fastest two hours in Carolina's radio. I've played the game. I know the game. I've been played by the game. Now you're back in one of those back games. back in the game. And we're going to change the game in Washington, D.C. Because the game in Washington, D.C. is really bad right now. And we need some voices from North Carolina outside of Washington, D.C. to change the game in D.C. now more than ever. I just got a, I saw, I got a tweet a minute ago mm-hmm. from a guy saying that tell the governor he needs to go on uh, the talk station in, in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking to you off the air. I, the, the station he's talking about, I actually worked for mm-hmm. for about two weeks. And I think I've told you this story on the air. I, I, deci- I felt like it just wasn't the right fit for me. And... Uh, I resigned. After three days. Three days on the air. I had Uh worked for the company for a couple of weeks, but Uh three days on the air. And I thought at the time, this is about 11 years ago, I thought, oh, man, I may never work in radio again. This may be the worst decision I've ever made. I was on, you know, morning radio in Raleigh and ready to go, and they liked me, but I decided Mm -hmm. to leave. And I, I said to you at the time that... I felt like maybe I had torpedoed my radio career, and I wondered if I had made a really bad decision. And it's one of those decisions where I had to let a two or three years mm-hmm. play out, but then ultimately 
Uh, the position came open here, and I tried the same thing again, and here I am all these years later. So it was a good decision for me, but I didn't know at the time if it was. So I turn around the question to a degree and ask you. You made this decision two months ago, mm-hmm. almost to the day, to uh, get out of radio, a good successful run you and I had had on this show, and get back into politics. Do you think you made the right decision? Yes, absolutely. I think there's only been one time where I regretted it, and that was when I was on the side of the road three nights ago between Kinston and Wilson, North Carolina, and literally nowhere to walk, nowhere to go. And I went, what in the heck am I doing on the side of the road? And uh, I got home nine hours later. That was the only time I went, my gosh, I had a nice little nice little gig working with Bo Thompson and John Moore and David from Asheville and everyone else. A great team. And you know how emotional I was. In making that decision, I'm an emotional guy. Like we talked about our dogs, where mm-hmm. we both cried about losing our our, our kids, and um, I was emotional about losing this. But I have a calling for public service, and I'm convinced, and I know I am the uh, to quote Tina Turner, simply the best to represent North Carolina in the U.S. Senate. I wouldn't be running if I uh, didn't believe that, and I've asked several national people and some former governors that I worked with, I said, if you have a better candidate in the state of North Carolina to run and win this election, I will pull out. No problem. I've got other things I can do, including this radio show in the past. And and they're going, no, you've got the best chance not only win the primary. We're, we're 20 to 30 points up in the primary polls. We're the only Republican who can probably win the general election because the demographics of North Carolina are changing so dramatically right now. We're becoming more like Virginia, especially Charlotte and Raleigh. And um, and I think I know the issues better than anyone else, and I'm proud of what we've accomplished. i got a great campaign team. By the way, if you'd love to help or donate, patmccrory.com. We'd love to have your help. Did I say patmccrory.com? Pull it up and also get on our Facebook Uh I was with Richard Petty this weekend. You know, I've some of the I love meeting the people throughout North Carolina. I just I miss that a lot, especially during the quarantine and the virus. And yeah, to got- get out right after that, it's just uh, I've loved it. I was down in Moorhead City to the Big Rock Fish Tournament and just had the greatest time. I love Moorhead City and Beaufort. Uh, I've been to Asheville three or four times. I've been to Bavard. I'm going to the Highlands. I'm going to Blowing Rock, coming up on my schedule. I'm going back to Greensboro, my hometown of Jamestown, going to Winston. I mean, I'm I'm traveling about every other day. I'm going to be right here. Yeah. Just, you know. You just had to rub that in. (laughs) Hey, you know what? We got, like, what, two minutes left here? What a remember mini what, big finish! Remember what we used to do right here? The big finish, seven zero four three seven four thirty eight. Ah, look at him! I can't believe I remember the number. <laughs> can't believe it. What we got there, John Moore? Hey, fellas! Oh, I no. thought I never heard oh. it come out my mouth, but it's refreshing to hear Pat McCoy back on the radio. Wow. <laughs> Good morning, Bo. Gosh darn it, you've been doing such a great job with the uh, governor's departure, but how refreshing it is to climb into the car and hear Fat McCrory on the air. Best of luck, great programming, and gosh, uh, just so sorry to hear about the loss of the family pets there a mm. short time ago. Mm. Gosh darn it. I love that. I love that guy. Gosh, gosh darn it. By I'm, golly. I'm going to have to remember that in my next debate. <laughs> gosh darn it, you're wrong. <laughs> Good morning, Governor Fat. 
listen to you this morning makes me realize even more how much you miss your voice and your talent like it is about how bad a shape this country is is in. Take care. Yeah, I love this country. I love this state. I love this city, and it's uh, in my heart and soul. And uh, WBT gave me the opportunity to express some of those opinions. Uh, and it actually has helped me on the campaign trail. Bo Thompson taught me a lot about radio. It taught me to relax more in my communications, throw a little humor out there, self-deprecation, take the issue seriously, don't take ourselves too seriously. And that's what I hope to bring to Washington, D.C. Maybe people that don't take themselves too seriously or think they're the smartest person in the room, but actually come up with solutions and... Uh, and have a little self-deprecation. And I learned that being on the radio for many of you. And I think it's uh, done nothing but positive things for me on the campaign trail. And um, I love it. I love the people. We've got the greatest state in the United States of America, and we live in the greatest country we call the United States of America. Don't take it for granted. Keep fighting, and I'm going to fight for you, hopefully in D.C. God bless you. PatMcCrory.com. Good to see you. Hey, thanks, Bo. Love you, buddy. Don't be a stranger.